well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program. You may hear a uh, rooster in the background. Uh, I have a very agitated Mr. Crow running around my uh, yard today, so hopefully he won't uh, interfere with the program too much. We're going to be talking about... um, What I think is coming down the road in the Buckeye state of Ohio, a a major push for gun control on the uh, part of Democrats. We'll get to that in just one moment. But before we do, Biden's America is crushing us. You know, you've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat the next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call GoldCo. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-timing 5,000 winner, 2022 company of the year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. So in the uh, course of my perusing the Internet, I ran across um, several stories today based out of Ohio, all dealing with the topic of guns and gun control. First, out of Columbus, where the uh, mayor, state, and local leaders to call for quote-unquote common-sense gun legislation. Now, as of the uh, time of uh, recording today's show, that press conference has not taken place. But uh, the mayor of Columbus, along with the city attorney in Columbus, have been challenging uh, Ohio's firearms preemption law. They put in place a couple of local ordinances, including a uh, storage mandate, uh, as well as a ban on, quote-unquote, large-capacity magazines that, uh, you know, again, is an arbitrary definition, right? In Colorado, large-capacity is anything over, I believe it's uh, 20 rounds, maybe 15 rounds, I believe. Uh, California, it's 10. In Columbus, it's 30. So this is basically what we think we can get away with, right? That's the definition of a large-capacity magazine. Uh, So this looks to be more of the same as uh, Columbus officials Again, calling for, quote-unquote, common-sense gun legislation uh, at the state legislature. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, you've got this headline, Violence is unprecedented, but Cleveland officials can't agree on cause. And uh, USA Today with the headline, Ohioans overwhelmingly support gun safety measures, but lawmakers not likely to act. That's right, a a new USA poll or USA Today poll shows more than 90% of Ohioans want mandatory background checks for gun buyers. 88% want mandatory training for concealed carry permits, which, by the way, is already the case. But lawmakers, USA Today says, are unlikely to change positions. Yeah, so we're going to delve into uh, all of these uh, stories here because, again, I think this signals that uh, Democrats in Ohio and around the country, again, are going to make gun control a major issue heading into 2024. Uh, In Cleveland, You know, uh, crime is up uh, in Cleveland and in Columbus uh, to a lesser degree this year. That is not the case for every city in Ohio, as we'll discuss further. But uh, in Cleveland, uh, Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley, uh, along with uh, other city officials, holding a press conference on Wednesday saying that uh, the violence is the worst it's ever seen. During a press conference on Wednesday, O'Malley declared the mayhem in Cleveland had reached a, quote, unprecedented threshold fueled by armed young people in stolen cars, creating havoc in their wake. 
Cleveland Plain Dealer reports O'Malley joined by a flank of city officials, including Mayor Justin Bibb, Police Chief Wayne Drummond, and Councilman Michael Polinsek and Anthony Harrison to decry city violence. The officials presented video of a vicious beating of an apparently innocent man at a gas station who was attacked on Tuesday by at least 10 people. Some of them were armed. Following the beating, which occurred in the city's Collinwood, Nottingham neighborhood, a handful of assailants then fired shots in the air, though their targets were unclear. They might not have had targets at all if they were just firing randomly in the air. No one seriously injured, but the 34-year-old victim of the beating required medical treatment, according to O'Malley. After the incident, police arrested and charged 12 juveniles, they said. 11 being held, for the time being anyway, in the county's juvenile detention center. In the 12th, a 12-year-old girl was put on a home detention program. During Wednesday's press conference, officials offered various theories for the violence, with the mayor citing the ease with which criminals can steal Kias and Hyundais and noted the city's recent lawsuit against those car manufacturers. Meanwhile, the prosecutor O'Malley cast blame on a Republican supermajority in Ohio politics that he says has led to liberalized gun laws, while Drummond questioned the role of parenting in Cleveland. So uh, let's talk about this for a second here. Um, you know, we've been talking quite a bit here on Cam and Company about the rise in juvenile crime, which is not just happening in Cleveland, but it's happening in a lot of cities around the country. And this really is a disturbing development. Uh, the criminal justice system doesn't function that well when it comes to adult offenders. When it comes to juvenile offenders, it's even worse. Uh, you know, the goal of the juvenile justice system is rehabilitation, right? It's not incarceration. But all too often, rehabilitation means we'll throw an ankle monitor on you. We'll uh, tell you to report to your probation officer once every few weeks. Maybe we'll tell you to take a P test. Uh, but if you don't abide by any of those terms, nothing's really going to happen to you. Maybe we'll put you in juvenile detention for a weekend. Probably not. Uh, we'll probably, you know, give you a stern warning, tell you not to do this again, keep your path on the straight and narrow, and Rinse and repeat when you show back up in court. That is, unfortunately, the experience in the juvenile justice system. There is very little rehabilitation that's actually taking place. Instead, what these juveniles are learning is that there are very few, if any, consequences when they commit serious crimes, including violent crimes. And if you know or believe that you can get away with these things, guess what? You're going to do more of them. Your friends are going to decide, hey, you know what? Chucklehead over there got away with this. Well, why? I can too. So I, I honestly believe that the juvenile justice system um, is in dire need of some serious reform and repair. And if we want to address juvenile crime, the first thing that needs to happen is we actually have to start providing some consequences. Now, again, rehabilitation should be the goal of the juvenile justice system. I don't disagree with that. I, I think if you have a 12 or 13-year-old that's committed a serious crime, the goal should be to try to turn their life around so that they don't keep repeating these mistakes and they don't end up as a career criminal when they reach the age of adulthood. But again, that's not happening. And for those serious youthful offenders who may be already down that path, again, intensive rehabilitation may not be the answer, may not work. At that point, incarceration may be necessary. But again, we're moving away from that direction, too. So I think, again, if Cleveland wants to look at fixing its problems, start with the criminal justice system. Start with policing. Uh, you know, one of the things that was brought up during the uh, press conference was the shortage of police officers in Cleveland. I think they're down about 200 officers right now, 
Uh, and there are some, including, uh, I believe it was the police chief, uh, Chief Drummond, who said that the shrinking force is not to blame for the uh, rising crime. Uh, he says, you know, we've got, we've got plenty of officers around, although he did say that um, the, quote, depressed ranks can sometimes prevent officers from being proactive. Well, again, that, that's going to have an impact, isn't it? Uh, proactive policing is important. To focus deterrence and targeted deterrence, I think, is even more important than simply, you know, saying, well, be proactive. But again, that's difficult to do, too, when you're down hundreds of officers. It is difficult to find the staffing and the personnel to ensure that there is a concentrated focus on the most prolific and violent offenders as opposed to, well, you know what, we need to look busy. We need to look like we're out there patrolling the streets. Uh, even in, you know, neighborhoods that are relatively low crime, they don't have a lot of crime problem. We need to reassure the public that we're there. A lot of time that thinking, that public relations strategy supplements a public safety strategy. And we may be seeing that taking place in Cleveland as well. One of the other issues, though, again, uh, according to Cleveland officials, is the liberalized gun laws in Ohio. And I don't buy that uh, as a reason for Cleveland's increase in violence, because as I said, this violence is not uniform across the state of Ohio. While violent crime is increasing in places like city or like Cleveland and Columbus, we're seeing fewer homicides in cities like Akron and Toledo. Now, if, you know, constitutional carry were to blame, uh, you would see that rise in crime. If not at the exact same level across every city, you would still see a generalized increase. And not just in big cities, but in small towns and rural areas as well. There's simply no evidence that that's the case. There's also not a lot of evidence that lawful gun owners who are legally carrying a firearm are committing these violent crimes like the you know beating that we saw this mob in Cleveland engage in uh, just a couple of days ago. Lawful gun owners are still, generally speaking, abiding by the law. Violent criminals, on the other hand, are feeling more emboldened in cities like Cleveland and Columbus. And that is what the officials really need to address. Now, as for that poll from USA Today, you know, we talked about this at uh, Barry at Arms yesterday, uh, how the polling, particularly on gun issues, sometimes, well, a lot of times, it's just a, you know, flaming dumpster fire. Uh, there was a poll that came out, I think it was called the Mood of the Nation poll. And uh, again, like the USA Today poll, found strong support for uh, measures like universal background checks. But when you start digging into the details, you also see some really weird results, like 9% of those who said that most all gun laws should be scrapped to support the Second Amendment said that they believe that because they're pro-gun control. I mean, that's a head-scratcher, right? That doesn't make any sense. What that tells me is that there are a lot of folks who don't deeply engage on this issue, who may have strong opinions one way or the other, but their knowledge about gun control laws is about an inch deep, right? Senate President uh, Matt Huffman in Ohio responded to the uh, USA Today poll by saying polls are interesting, 
but they're not helpful in policymaking often and not a good way to govern. For example, he thought Ohioans would overwhelmingly say that lying is bad, but the First Amendment protects our right to be dishonest. When it comes to background checks, he said, well, what background checks are we talking about? Court records? Financial records? How far back should we look? Huffman said people might oppose a specific background check law if it banned gun ownership to someone with a misdemeanor drug possession charge from 20 years ago. He says there's a great difference between a poll and a policy. And he's absolutely right about that. You know, again, one of the things that's left out of the USA Today poll and almost every other poll that I've seen on gun issues is any mention whatsoever of the ostensible punishment for violating these proposals. So, you know, you can ask somebody, hey, do you think uh, there should be uh, background checks in every gun sale? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think people should go to prison for five years if they sell a firearm to somebody who's legally eligible to own one without putting them through a background check first? You're probably not going to get 88% approval for that. Uh, do you think that there should be a ban on military-style assault weapons, quote-unquote? Again, you'll probably get 60 or so percent of people saying, yes, absolutely. If you reframe that question, do you believe that people should be subjected to a five-year prison term for possessing the most commonly sold rifle in the country? I'm guessing, again, that support isn't going to be anywhere near 60%. And as we pointed out uh, at Bearing Arms yesterday, the Crime Prevention Research Center actually put this to the test when it comes to red flag laws. Last year, they commissioned a poll from McLaughlin and Associates asking, do you support red flag laws that you know, will take guns away from dangerous people? And again, when you ask the question that way, majority support. I think it was something like 63 64%. But when you explain how an extreme risk protection order operates, the lack of due process protections, do you think that somebody should have their firearms taken away from them without a hearing being held first? Then all of a sudden, support falls below 50%. And I think it ended up at like 38% support with majority uh, uh, in opposition to a red flag proposal. So I think Huffman's right that polling is interesting sometimes, but it really makes for bad policy. And we see this <laughs> even among Democrats in cities like Washington, D.C., you know, where they were recently wrestling with this crime bill. And, you know, you had some Democrats saying, uh, all right, you know what, crime's out of control in, in the district. We got to do something. We need to uh, increase penalties for legally carrying a gun. We need to, uh, you know, uh, add these other uh, laws to the books. In some cases, increasing the sentences for violent crimes. In some cases, adding new possessory offenses to the books. And there was fierce debate. Now, I think every single council member in D.C. is a Democrat. That D.C. at the local level is a one-party town. And yet there was, again, a lot of opposition to this plan from Democrats who said, wait, wait, wait. We're concerned about violent crime, but we're also concerned about over-policing. We're concerned about people being stopped and frisked for no reason. We're concerned about people being arrested and charged with felonies for carrying a gun, even if they didn't have a license because they live in a bad neighborhood and they were worried about protecting themselves. Uh, ultimately, by the way, the bill did pass, but not, again, without a lot of consternation and debate. So even when Democrats take a serious look, and that doesn't always happen, look at what's going on in Massachusetts with the AC4420, but even when Democrats take a serious look at how these policies are going to work in practice, you find that support typically drops. Now, 
given that the uh, Democrats in Ohio are going to make a major push for gun control. I don't think they're going to worry or concern themselves too much with the details. Uh, Their goal right now, get the law in place. We'll figure out how to enforce it after that. That's their attitude. But yes, it does look like Democrats are going to make gun control a major push in Ohio uh, in the 2024 election cycle. And again, I expect to see this replicated nationwide. Democrats are, uh, we've seen, you know, hints of this. Chuck Schumer looking for, you know, suburban women voters uh, who are uh, all too keen on gun control, looking to uh, build a coalition of voters that will turn out in the midterms. Uh, And this is something that, you know, as Second Amendment advocates, right now I think we're looking to the courts to protect us from a lot of bad laws, which is perfectly valid and necessary. But we can't put all of our eggs in that basket. We can't expect or hope that the courts are going to save us from every terrible bill that gets enacted into law. We still have a job to do to stop those bad bills from becoming law in the first place. Look what's going on again in Massachusetts with the Second Amendment organizations like Gun Owners Action League and the gun owners around the state who are speaking up and speaking out about the infringements to their rights that are found in what Goal is calling the uh, Lawful Citizens Imprisonment Act. Again, Massachusetts is about as blue state as you can get, right? Democrat dominated. And yet, gun owners speaking out, sharing the uh, legislative atrocities in that uh, bill, have managed to at least delay a vote. They've put the Democrats back on their heels. They were trying to ram this through by the end of the month, and the Speaker of the House this week came out and said, we'll take a vote in the fall. We want to listen to stakeholders. We want to listen to gunners because they've been getting slammed. So that's what's going on in a blue state like Massachusetts. Gun owners in a red state like Ohio, you know, maybe content to say, well, look, we got these legislative majorities. What's going to happen? I, I would be concerned about that. You've got to push back on the arguments that the anti-gun Democrats are making that, well, you know, if we just ban these things, we'll all be safer. If we just restrict your freedom, your liberty, your ability to protect yourself, everybody else is going to be better off. Oh, and by the way, you will be too. Unless, of course, you are the target of an attack and you cannot protect yourself. We'll just gloss over that uh, inconvenient truth. We cannot just cede the political playing field or the court of public opinion to Democrats who, again, are insisting the uh, the answer here, the solution, is to illiberalize our gun laws, to create crimes out of a civil right, again, to ban and arrest our way to safety at the expense of tens of thousands, or across the nation, tens of millions of lawful gun owners. And uh, we're going to be talking more about what's going on in Ohio, uh, hopefully on next week's Cam and Company. Um, so stay tuned for that, but we'll also be uh, covering it at bearingarms.com. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our uh, good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Start there. The case out of Indianapolis, Indiana, where, uh, you know, both mayoral candidates, Democrat Joe Hogsett and uh, Republican Jefferson Shreve, are calling for an end to firearms preemption. They're calling for things like a ban on gun sales to adults under the age of 21, uh, repealing constitutional carry, or at least requiring a carry license in the city of Indianapolis, as well as a ban on the sale and perhaps the possession of so-called assault weapons. Again, all efforts aimed at legal gun owners. 
But what's happening in the court system to folks who are breaking current laws? Well, here's this headline. Man who bought gun used to kill seven-year-old Jaslyn Adams avoids prison time. This was a straw purchase, which is a crime, not only under Indiana law, but under federal law as well. And yet, this Indianapolis man, Eric Lamar Keyes Jr., has been sentenced to probation for his conviction for the illegal straw purchase of a gun found in the hands of the man who was charged in the 2021 murder of seven-year-old Jaslyn Adams. Keyes Jr. pleaded guilty earlier this month to two counts of making false statements in connection with the purchase of a firearm from a licensed dealer. Both charges revolved around the purchase of a different gun than the one that was used to kill Jaslyn Adams. According to court records, Keyes admitted to federal investigators that had bought the Glock 40 caliber handgun, later used to kill Jaslyn, and later sold it to somebody else. He also admitted that the person gave him $750 to buy the gun from an Indianapolis gun range. According to uh, CBS News, however, the charges that he pled guilty to are related to the purchase of a, a Taurus 9mm handgun that he had also purchased from that same range. According to federal authorities, Keyes bought a total of 10 similar firearms from Indiana gun dealers in the span of a little more than a month in February and March of 2021. He originally told federal investigators that nine of the guns had been stolen, but he later changed his story. And on July 7th, after pleading guilty, Keyes was sentenced to two years probation. At the federal level, by the way. So this was Joe Biden's Justice Department. This is Attorney General Merrick Garland and the U.S. Attorney in Indiana who decided probation is appropriate. Well, at the same time, again, you've got the DOJ through the ATF going after gun stores, trying to shut them down, destroy livelihoods, people a lot of business for minor paperwork errors, right? For abbreviating county as CO instead of spelling out county on the 4473. Minor inadvertent mistakes leading to a loss of an FFL license. And yet here's somebody who admits to breaking federal law, buying firearms for people who are not legally eligible to own them. One of those guns turns up in the hands of a man who's accused of murdering a seven-year-old child. And the Justice Department agrees to a plea deal that will result in no prison time whatsoever. You know, the National Shooting Sports Foundation has this program, Don't Lie for the Other Guy, which is all about combating straw purchases. And their message is simple. If you do this, you could face 10 years in prison. Well, that message is completely undercut by the Biden administration right now, which, again, appears far more intent in cracking down on lawful gun owners than on those who violate the law, whether it be a straw purchaser in Indiana or, I don't know, a uh, unlawful user of drugs in Delaware. <clears throat> yeah. I, although I guess this does indicate that maybe uh, Hunter Biden isn't the only one getting these sweetheart deals. And maybe you don't have to be the son of a president to uh, enjoy the uh, largesse offered by the uh, Justice Department. Again, as long as you're not a lawful gun owner or an FFL who's, you know, out there uh, selling firearms, then, yeah, you should be worried. Uh, today's armed citizen story from Florida, where a uh, burglar was thwarted by an elderly homeowner who uh, held the suspect at gunpoint. 42-year-old Antonio Grant, already known to police, Neptune Beach police say that on July 19th, they responded to an in-progress report of a residential burglary. They discovered that Grant had broken into the property through the home's back door 
But the homeowner apparently got the jump on Grant, produced a firearm, and held him at gunpoint until police arrived. Uh, Neptune Beach police said in a Facebook post, what Grant did not foresee is that the homeowner had armed himself with his firearm and held him at gunpoint until our officers quickly responded and placed him under arrest. Grant uh, charged with second-degree forcible felony for burglary. He is in police custody as of right now, although authorities say he was fresh out of jail at the time of his arrest following a uh, brief stint behind bars for, uh, quote, committing an attempted forcible sexual battery in 2018 in Jacksonville Beach. The uh, Neptune Beach Police Department says we're committed, dedicated, and ready to protect our community and its residents. We're also thankful of this brave homeowner's actions and that the incident didn't end up uh, much worse than it could have. Well, you know, I, I will say this. Kudos to the Neptune Beach Police Department for not chiding the homeowner, as we sometimes see. Well, we're grateful that this incident ended without violence. We do not recommend that residents take these steps. Just simply call 911. I'm glad we didn't hear that boilerplate BS. And instead, we actually heard praise for the armed citizen who protected themselves against this violent offender who is trying to uh, break through their back door. We'll uh, keep you apprised of any updates to that story. But honestly, it sounds like the homeowner is not facing any charges. The question is, what kind of charges is Grant going to face and uh, how long before he's out again? Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, when unable to do the right thing, a, a firefighter in Suffolk, Virginia, who saved the life of a man choking at a restaurant. Uh, I thought for a second we might be dealing with a uh, you know junior trainee, but no, this is apparently just one of the youngest firefighters in uh, Suffolk, Virginia, Parkle Dolman. It was July the 12th. He and his wife went out to dinner at a, a seafood restaurant in North Suffolk. And while they were there waiting for a table, Dolman says one of the workers pointed out a man who was choking uh, across the restaurant. His hands were around his neck. He couldn't talk or breathe. As he started to turn blue, Dolman says he ran over and started performing the Heimlich maneuver. He was able to dislodge the food that was obstructing the man's airways. The guy was able to take a deep breath again. Officials say that uh, Dolman's quick and decisive actions saved the man's life, but Dolman says he's no hero. He says, I would not agree. says there are a lot of people here who say that uh, if you say I'm a hero, then everybody I work with are heroes also. Everything we do is to help everyone else. We're just doing our part and doing what we love. The uh, individual who was saved by Dolman uh, doesn't want to be identified, doesn't want to go on camera. I understand it, but he did say that he was extremely grateful um, Parker Dolman says the man actually picked up his tab and uh, bought both him and his wife a round of drinks as a uh, thank you. Parker Dolman said it uh, could have been a very differently. Uh, yes, ma'am, it was God's timing. And uh, WAVY reports that uh, Parker is on a bit of a roll, uh, having also recently saved a kitten trapped near a, a truck engine as well. So there you go. Parker Dolman can't lose, man. I appreciate uh, all of his hard work. His quick thinking and his fast actions, I know you do as well. So a tip of the hat to Parker Dolman there in Suffolk, Virginia. In the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Now, that is about, unfortunately, all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. But we'll be back next week a little bit later than we normally are. I'm going to take a couple of days off next week. I've got my wedding anniversary coming up, so my wife and I are going to go out and uh, celebrate that. Uh, so I'll be back on Wednesday with a, a brand new Cam and Company, but we will be covering all of the latest second news and information at Bearing Arms, even in my absence. Don't worry about that. And I'm looking forward to being back behind the microphone with you once again just a few days from now. Uh, don't forget, 
as you're uh, perusing Barry and Arms, getting caught up on all of the latest two-way news and information. You can become a VIP or a VIP Gold member. All you have to do, go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and uh, in return for supporting the independent pro-second amendment journalism that we're doing at Barry and Arms, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Analysis and information that's important to you, just like your support is important to us. So thank you again. We'll see you back here soon. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. 